from his glory if we could. Down from his glory, ever-living story, my God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name.
743, please. Be flapped. Oh, what a savior. Once I was straying down the Sinstock Valley. Once I was straying in Sinstock Valley. Oh, hope within I see this service for us and ask the blessing on the word and the upcoming Lord's table. We don't have any written prayer requests. We do want to remember our brother Milko. I believe he spent some time in the hospital. I don't think he's home yet, is he? He's not home yet. So we want to uphold our brother Milko this evening, that God will be with him. Amen. We're still waiting on a miracle. I believe in a miracle working God. 
Amen. If there's a need in your heart, we know that God sees every need. Would you come, please, Brother Richard? It's a, a very, very grand privilege to approach the throne of God this morning, this evening. And Father, just I just keep thinking about this morning. There's we've asked and you've answered. Father, just to see movement in the right direction. When we've asked, Lord, a petition before the throne of God, and we see that movement moving in the right direction, we want to thank you, Father. Lord, we want to thank you so much. And we pray, Father, that you would, Lord, have your blessing upon the service, the word. Father, as it ministers to our heart, ministers to our soul, it encourages us, O God. Lord, as we keep moving forward, stepping forward one step at a time, perseverant. Father, listen to that message just yesterday, oh God, and, and it's just, you see the fruits of perseverance, oh God. And Lord Jesus, for each one, Lord, there are many, many needs in the assembly, oh God, and I know it. the board is always full when we are at a prayer meeting. Lord, there's many, many needs, and we pray, Father, that you would bless us this evening. Lord, in that our faith would continue to be perseverant, Lord, as we see these things moving forward. We thank you for it. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for the finished work. Looking at the end, oh God, not at the be just where we're at, but looking at the end. Knowing that, Father, you have all things that we're working together for the good of those that love God. And Lord, just being here, Father, before the communion table this evening, Lord, we thank you. We ask, Father, that you would search our hearts, oh God. Search our hearts with the word. Lord, may we be quick to repent. Father, forgive us, O oh God. We pray, Lord, if there's anything that needs to be dealt with, Lord, may we deal with it now. And we thank you for all these things, O oh God. And we thank you for your presence, your spirit here tonight. Lord, we bless your name. And we thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Sister Ava, Sister Carrie are going to come sing for us. So why don't you just come and get ready at this time. We did have a welcome for Brother Omar and his family. They've moved here, I think, originally from the Congo, but from Namibia to stay here with us. Brother Omar and your family, are you here? Maybe you could stand for us so that we could welcome you. God bless you. Welcome, your family, each of you. Nice to have you here with us. God bless you. Amen. And just as the sisters come, why don't we sing greater than all? We could sing that together. It's greater than all my sin is the blood that still cleanses me is the grace that still sets me free Oh to praise him
Thank you, sisters. We're going to invite our brother Michael to come at this time. Maybe we could just sing that old hymn, At the Cross, At the Cross, Where I First Saw the Light. The burden of my heart rolled away. Amen. Are you ready for the word this evening? Let's invite our brother Michael to come and take his liberty. I just want God to have his way this evening. Amen. Let's sing this together. Um, uh, I'm sorry, brother. I should have got the number for you. That's the one. Let's start with the verse. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a
happy all the day. The burdens of my heart rolled away. Aren't you happy that happened, Brother Tim? Amen. The burdens of our heart are rolled away at the cross. Why don't we just bow in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, so thankful that I would pray that everybody, Lord, maybe somebody, Lord, is still carrying a burden. Many burdens on their heart, Lord, burdens of sin, shame. But Lord, so many, I would believe here, Lord, have come to the cross of Calvary. Lord, and that burden fell away, Lord. And Lord, hard to explain. You just step up, Lord, and all the heaviness and the guilt and the condemnation and the worry and the fret and the fear passed away because a loving Savior hung on a cross, taking our sin, taking what really was owed to us, Lord, and you bore it on your own body. Lord, that's why we can come to a table tonight of communion. Lord, and remember the broken body. Remember the shed blood. We are so thankful, Lord, that we can commune with you. Lord, your life was released there at Calvary's Hill. Lord, as we have heard these services, Lord, the seed within us, oh God, we're part of you. That's why, Lord, we yearn and we love communion is because we're one. So, Lord, tonight would you come in this little service, this communion service, as we would fellowship, Lord, around your word. Lord, you'd meet the needs of your people. We love you, Lord. We commit all that would transpire into your hands, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Why don't we turn to our Bibles in Genesis this evening? Thank you, musicians. Enjoyed the service this morning. My. You know, I was enjoying, and then I was not enjoying because I felt like I was getting stomped on, and then I started enjoying again, and then I got quiet again. And <laughs> it's tough for a minister back there, you know. Actually, Sunday evening services, I, I don't know. <laughs> for the poor preacher... Feeling like he's getting stomped on. It's not amazing, <laughs> but it's all his word, and, and that's what we're so we love to hear. I sure love to see Michael, and I think Brother Murphy was wanting you to really just fall. <laughs> that was a wonderful demonstration. It just locks it into your mind, doesn't it? Maybe down into your heart. Amen. God bless you, Brother Murphy. We're just going to take a little subject tonight. Uh, pray, I'm, I have. Um, a real tall order to try and keep it into a tight box, so you help me, all right? Genesis 3, uh, kind of maybe a bit, not necessarily, I, the scripture that I would open with, I will come to in a few pages, but I'm going to start here, and uh, maybe just a bit of an odd intro, but that's how we feel to go. Genesis 3, we'll start at verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. What words that would go down in history. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband and with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. And not to add to Scripture, but I would say, and everything changed. 
and everything changed. You may have your seats tonight. God bless the reading of his word. I highlighted and underlined all the ands in those scriptures. And, and it was pleasant, and the tree to be desired, and did eat, and gave also, and he did eat. And the eyes, and their eyes were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. And everything changed. From that instant onward, from right there, after verse 7, mercy was required. Right from there. Prior to this, mercy wasn't needed. Mercy was, wasn't even in Scripture prior to that. It, was, it didn't exist in a sense. Nothing, nothing was there. But after that moment, everything changed and mercy was needed. Think about that. Mercy is defined as forgiveness shown towards someone whom it's within one's power to punish them. And so someone who has, a, has the power to punish or harm, they show mercy or they show forgiveness or pity. That would be called mercy. It's derived from a medieval or a Latin word, merced or merces, which means price paid. And it assumes the need on the part of him who receives it or it assumes need on the part somebody who's receiving mercy needs it. But it also says, and the resources are adequate to meet the need on the part of him who shows it. Meaning somebody who's showing mercy has the ability to show mercy. There's resources there that they can show or bestow that would, would bring mercy to pass. And so here we were at the beginning of, uh, we could say, of time, that now a place was required which mercy would need to be obtained. Man of all time now would need atonement for sin that was created here in the garden at the very beginning. And so I want to take a little, I was going to title it, And Everything Changed, but I'll maybe just title a place, The Place of My Mercy. And as we come to communion, and here, all changed in a place of mercy was required for life, necessary for life to continue. And really up to this moment, it was perfection. Perfection really reigned through the garden. You know, I, I think if we go back into the Garden of Eden and really can try and comprehend, we live in this earth and it's far from perfection. You know, we go into someone, you could travel to the tropics, you could go to some place, you could go to Greece and Santorini and all the loveliness of the white and the blue and the nice water, and you would say, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> it's a pig pen, it's slop. Compared to, I don't even have words. We actually couldn't, we just can't imagine. I thought, could we even dare to allow our imagination to penetrate into those realms of what actually it was like for Adam and Eve to walk through the garden in perfection? I. Wouldn't it have been incredible? I, I just, you know, I, I, you could try and dramatize, or as Brother Branham does so often in, in different times, and you can get this little word picture, but I, I, don't, I don't even have the dig. I could have Webster's Dictionary and, and a thesaurus over here, and I could use every word. I could define it all, and I would go on for hours and hours, and I still wouldn't even scratch the surface. I wouldn't even scratch the, the, the enamel off the top to, to, to describe what Eden would have been like at these, at the, you know, with, with Adam and Eve. And the beauty of it and the, and the pure peace that just reigned. Mm. And here, they walked freely. But hereafter, at, at this moment of time, death now set in. You know, 
suddenly God had to come down into this perfection that he had made that was now shattered. And he had to come down on the first time and a God who there had been never a barrier, there had never been a, 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 a way or anything that would stop him, but now something stopped him from communing with his creation. He couldn't, there was something that was hindering him now from, from actually having free communion and a free place of fellowship as we heard this morning. And he would walk into the garden every night as, as we know through scripture and he would, had that brother Brandon would dramatize how they would just come into the garden and he would put them down to bed at night and he would speak to them in the cool of the evening and such. But that all stopped right there. That didn't happen anymore. And immediately now this, it was now judgment was actually to come because it had, they had crossed the line and they had doubted God's word. And so that free, unencumbered, that unhindering walk that, cried, that, that our Lord could have in the garden was now gone. Brother Branham said that God, in order to get Adam back to himself so he could talk to him, God couldn't even talk to Adam. He said God went out and got some skins and made aprons. And I'll have a couple other quotes that will kind of reference this as well as we go on further. He got a skin. Something died to get a skin. See, he had to be a substitutionary. Something had to substitute the guilty man's place. And that was the lamb that he killed out there. And he's speaking of, of Christ, speaking of a, a figure, he said. And he brought those lamb skins. He throwed them into the bushes. And I can imagine as Adam and Eve were there, as God went and got a, a substitute, that they were, were be watching from the bushes or wherever they were, fearful to even come out. And God God had to go out. If you could actually really come down to this, perfection had reigned. It was perfectness, perfect in every aspect. Now God had to come down because someone had disbelieved his word. Eve had disbelieved. And he walked down and they're watching him there and they're saying, oh, what what is he going to do? And he goes and gets a lamb and God kills the lamb. They had never seen this before. They'd never seen blood like this before. God had to brutally take the life of a lamb. What were Adam and Eve thinking at that moment? As they watched as he took the lamb and he skinned it. This isn't just he killed it and threw it. He had to skin the lamb. He had to actually take all the skin off. In fact, I don't think one lamb would have handled one part, two people. So I'm imagining maybe there was, I don't know what, what there was, but he figured out how there was a big lamb, I guess. One lamb, one big lamb so they could come. But they were watching this and what, what, what was Eve's response? Eve saying, is this really necessary? I mean, it was, it was just one little word that, 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 you know, I mixed up there. I didn't quite believe the way I should have. Do you really need that? Oh, that's just disgusting. This old-fashioned gospel, do I really need this? This holy walk, this reproachful way. Oh, I can't wear this. You mean I got to put that on and the blood drip down on my body and dribble around the ground as I walk? I, 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 can't, I can't do that. God says, you must, or there's judgment. And the way then was blocked. Is it really this big of a deal? It was a big deal. They couldn't just go back. Death now ruled and reigned as they walked out of the garden. As God, we wouldn't take time to go through all the scripture, but we know the way was blocked. Cherubims blocked the way to the tree of life. Death had to come. Blood had to be put on an altar. And death now has set in. I think of the changes that would have gone in creation as Adam and Eve walked out of the garden sad. I can imagine as they would look 
and everything started to change. I don't know if it was instant or whether it was just this gradual shift. I, I, not, I haven't been there. But I just imagine as they were walking out of the garden, even just as even creation started to shift because death started to weave its way through all life. All life had now just been perverted. And as they would walk through, the animals that they would walk by their side would now scare of them and skittering off away. And the look is just different. And Adam and Eve would look at maybe the different animals that they'd seen and something's changed in their eyes because death had now entered into creation. The earth began to put forth thorns and prickles. And imagine the first time that Adam would have looked and seen a wolf instead of sitting and laying with a lamb. Now he's torn a lamb up for food and it's the shattering of life there. And he'd look out and there'd be another, some tiger is now taking a deer or the lions have now taken down some wildebeest and terror is in the eye of the, of the herbivores as they're now being pursued and that life, the, 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 the fear now of my life is being taken in this poor little animal and Adam is, and Eve have had to walk through this and remind it over and over and over of the change that had happened. And if I could say it, Unbelief changed everything. Everything changed. They started to see trees wither. Things started to, nature adjusted. I, if I could just take a bit of a side, side swing, I find it incredible that they're just in one moment, everything can change. You know, just one, one word, as we say in the scripture, just one word changes all things. You know, it's incredible how that, that's, you know, that can happen, how powerful our actions are, how powerful, you know, in a moment of weakness, everything can change. Something can happen. You can do something in a moment of weakness. You're like, oh, I just wish I never did that. But the catastrophe of the consequences rippling out. But I could say, how about in a moment of strength, what could happen as well, Right? I think maybe of Lot's wife, you know, that moment where she just turned back, that, that one moment of time and she turned to look back and in a boom, she was a pillar of salt. Everything changed for her. Her existence changed right then and there. How about Israel doubting to take the promised land and dying in the wilderness? Or, 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 uh, or a nation believing that they could, you know, their faith in God's, um, sorry, Noah's day, doubting that the ark was their place of mercy. Think of it. Someone who was weighing in the balances and I don't know and, then, and just that decision and bam, the door shuts. It's over. Unbelief. Incredible to me that just in a moment everything can change. Unbelief took the whole world into chaos. In one moment, everything changed. But I thought, what can faith do? If that's what unbelief can do, surely faith is more powerful than unbelief. And if unbelief on one word can take a world and put it into complete chaos, surely your faith tonight can turn a chaotic world and bring it back into order. Amen? I can tell you that's what happened when a nine-year-old believed God's word and had a son. Amen? Abraham and Sarah, what can faith can do? It can do that faith can bring a Naaman who was leprous in their skin and believe a prophet's word, maybe begrudgingly, but he still did what the prophet said. And what happened? His skin turned like a baby. That's what faith can do. Faith can transform. Faith can deliver. Faith can heal. Faith can raise the dead. Faith brought Lazarus to life. I can tell you in a moment, <laughs> everything changed when Lazarus walked through out of the tomb. Yes, sir. Unbelief in that moment changed Eden and the world. And the bloodline changed. It was mingled, contaminated, perverted. 
requiring a new bloodline to come back, to bring back order. But you say, well, you know, blood, why blood, Brother Michael? We know everybody, most everybody here, I believe, would be believers and believe in the original sin in the garden. Sometimes, you know, we can, we were even talking about it a couple days ago, well, you know, why blood? You know, blood in this world, people can get maybe like, well, that's kind of, no, it was a blood sin. The life is in the blood. Life in, got mingled with death, and Eve's womb now is contaminated with a serpent seed, and there, 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 a foreign object or a foreign perversion of life was injected into mankind. It needed to be cleansed. It needed a new blood to come and cleanse it. And here man was trapped now in this perverted blood system. Yeah. Perverted blood system. And there had to be a shedding then of blood to atone for the blood sin. Right? And God has always been accessible through blood. And I know some people can get, well, it's 21st century, Brother Michael. We don't, you know, that's a little bit squeamish. I might faint at the sight of it. You know what? Then you shouldn't, I tell you, you would have been in a bad situation back in the olden days. Because there was a lot of blood. There were sacrifices continually because they knew without blood there's judgment. And I don't want judgment, I want mercy. So this 21st century day and age, little squeamish, well, guess what? I'm thankful for the blood. And I'll speak of the blood. And I'll praise him for the blood. Wow, we do, you know, we shouldn't really need to acknowledge anything that, you know, I tell you what, and I might step on a toe or two here, but I, I wonder if we have vegan Christians. You know, I can't really eat meat because that's disgusting and it's bloody and there's just something's died for that, you know, that substance. I don't really want to go there. You know, this philosophy that, you know, if uh, this is veganism, is a philosophy and way of living which seeks to exclude as far as possible and practical the forms of exploitation of cruelty to animals. Well, I'll tell you, that didn't exist back in Israel's day. Because constantly an animal was going into sacrifice because Israel was saying, Get, listen here, we have to have a sacrifice to atone for my sin. Well, a vegan wouldn't exist well then, I wouldn't think. And it don't exist now, spiritually speaking. You need the blood. Well, we've got to remove these meats out of everything. Something had to die for you. Something has to die. You know, if we, Brother Bram says, if we eat beef, the cow died. If we eat sheep, the sheep died. If we eat fish, the fish died. It's life, he says. We live by dead substance. Something has to die so we can live physically. You want to push that aside? Well, then you're pushing everything this Bible is aside. I say, without the blood, there's no mercy. Bottom line. And a place, a place where mercy could be obtained now was required and will Another quote here, Brother Branham says, before he could even talk, as they said to Adam and Eve, he had to make a sin offering. He said with a lamb, the reason they can have rock and rolls and all kinds of vulgar in the world tonight and God doesn't take their life or skip the world off is because blood is laying on the mercy seat. But one of these days, the blood's coming off the mercy seat and then it's judgment. He said, another quote, Adam and Eve just made a good apron as any Methodist or Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal could make. It covered their nakedness, but God could see through it. So he killed something, took the dead skins of dead animals and covered it. Blood had to take its place that stayed his wrath. He seen the blood backed off from it because something had shed its life. Think of it, he said, the only thing that'll back off God is blood. 
How powerful can that be? If the only thing that can back off God, God, who created all things, you think there couldn't be nothing that could back off. God, could, God should be able to do anything and everything he wants. But if he sees the blood, if he sees the atonement, if he sees the life that he shed for you and I, he backs off. Oh my goodness, God, I want him to be able to back off. I don't want my sin to show. I don't want some fig leaf religion that he's piercing through, but I want the blood of Calvary to cover me and say, oh God, back off from my sin and my shame. Hallelujah. And there's only one blood that he'll back from, and that's his own son. Hallelujah, the wrath of God, his might of his justice, the fury, his blood, the only thing that held him back. Amen. No mercy. You know where the fury went? The fury went on to the lamb. No mercy is shown to the lamb that is sacrificed. It's not a, it's not a scalpel. The full brunt of judgment is placed on the lamb. And he is sacrificed and placed on an altar. And I can tell you, God did not hold back in mercy when he sacrificed and allowed Christ to go to the cross. There was no hesitation. There was no, well, I'll just go a little bit. All the wrath was placed on Christ. All the mercy was placed on you. Amen? Everything, the whipping, the shame, the nakedness, the crown of thorns, everything was bore on the sacrifice. I don't want a 50-50. Everything he placed on him and all the mercy he placed on you and I. Isn't that beautiful? No mercy was shown. Brother Brown says, now, there has to be an atonement, a mercy seat. This altar of judgment must become a mercy seat. Now, just thinking through time then as we would be before, there was a shifting, and I'll maybe go into it just a little bit very quickly for time's sake is there was a, a, a different dispensations, if I could say. And here, as we would come into, the, into Moses' time, there was a change coming and a shifting, I could say, or an unfolding of who Christ was in type. And it, it, was, a, it was a dispensation of law that was coming into effect. And now Moses was going to be given some ordinances on what they must do to obtain mercy. God's place of mercy was going, to be, was going to be shifted or changed, I could say. And so this time of change was coming. I could say everything was about to change or everything changed when the law came onto the, into effect. It hadn't been that way before. There, there was no tab- temples and tabernacles and all these ordinances. But when the law came into effect, it was a change of dispensations. But Abraham, you've read in the scripture, in the message of the dispensation of law, the dispensation of grace. Well, don't get all, you know, over your head. All the disp- How many think a dispensation is, it's a period of time. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> My apologies. It's actually, it's a period. It's Greek, or the vine says it's not a period, but it's actually a mode of dealing or an arrangement of affairs. It's, 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 it applies to somebody that's administrating or someone that's actually handling their household. That's actually a dispensation. It's not a, it's not a specific X to Y or this many times, but it's a period of time where there's a certain type of management or a certain type of household. A, a manager is, is taking care of affairs in a certain way for a certain period of time. 
the word that it comes from is a Greek word. I'd probably butcher the saying, but oikonomio. How's that? Oikonomia is what it actually comes from. And it's administrating. The actual Greek word says administration, specifically religious economy or a household or an estate. That's what dispensation means. So now you can maybe, now everybody's on the same page on the dispensation of law, which means that period of time and however long that was, it was there was going to be a certain order or a certain way that that was going to be managed, all right? And so here, what was happening was, Brother Bram says, when you find out God bringing his children out of Egypt, Moses coming along with the law, it was hard for the people to understand, but a dispensation was changing to a law. So there was a certain order or a certain way of managing, if I could put it this way, managing the affairs or managing where mercy was, was changing. If I could put it that way. Dispensation was changing to a law. And then the law come. Moses, it was, he was a schoolmaster. because People were just living in a way they wished. And a schoolmaster, the law, was the, the Bible said to bring people to recognize it was wrong. So he gave them the Ten Commandments. It was quite a change. The people didn't want to receive it. And so it wasn't an easy change, but it changed nonetheless. And so there was a new management system, if I could say, in place that wasn't easy for them to really handle. And so God starts to outline to Israel how they will approach mercy. This was important. If you miss this, you didn't get mercy. And so there was, that's why, if you can see, why Israel would pay very strict attention to all the bits and pieces of the law because why they wanted to attain mercy. I sure hope that would be our desire tonight. I'll read you a quote later on of, of not obtaining mercy. Hebrews says, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy. Under two or three witnesses, oh, of how much sore punishment suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite under the spirit of grace. For we know that him that hath said, vengeance belongeth to me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. That's scripture. I don't want to fall into the hands of a living God. I want his mercy. And so Israel and Moses, was going to, it, was, it was going to define to them what that pattern was. And Brother Branham says, Moses was taken up into heaven, taken from earth into heaven and saw the altar of God. He goes, I'm trying to prove my point. You know what I'm trying to do. He says, and he descended from pres- the presence of God. And God said to Moses, make everything on earth as patterned after heaven. All right? So that's where Moses came to that, and Scripture then says, and you shall make, in Exodus 25, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof. And it goes through 18, 19, and 20 of where the cherubims would be on one end and under the mercy seat, and the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings, and the covering, they'll be covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look towards another, toward the mercy seat. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I give thee, which was the, the law, the commandments. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Here God was telling Moses, here's how you can get to the place. 
here's all of the, all the aspects of how you, where I will meet you and where I will commune with you. And so all of the different orders of the law and such, and here then was the Ark of the Covenant, and in the Ark would go the Word of God, the law, and, and such. And then on top of that would be a covering, and that would be then the cherubims and such, and that was the mercy seat that sat on top of the Ark. And, and the Scripture says, and there I will meet with thee and will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. There I'll meet with thee and I will commune with thee. I would think everybody today in service tonight would want to be at that there. Where is there? Because that's where I want to be. We're at a table of communion. You say, oh God, I want to be able to commune with you. Where is that place? And that's why Israel was take, took such strict attention because they wanted to be there. They wanted to be at the mercy seat where God would, there would be mercy and not judgment. And therefore, out of that would come communion. <laughs> and so here was instruction to the where and the how and the different tabernacle and the ornaments and such. But Abraham says, you'll have a lid on the top of it. It'll be a mercy seat. And the laws will rest in it. And before you take it in, sprinkle the blood over it. And so, oh, I won't have time to go through how the high priest would, would come in. And, well, I will go through that in, in just a moment. But here, the law was in there. And Brother Branham, he says the law speaks of judgment. But between the law and the congregation, he says then there was the curtain. The deity stood in place. He said type of Christ. He said between wrath of God, the judgment in hell, between that and the believer stands deity himself. He says in Christ standing in the way with an atonement made to save us from sins. He said the law was a judge. The law judged, but atonement stood between the confessed believer and the judgment. So the law here was in the Ark of the Covenant, but in between the law was the mercy seat where blood was then going to be sprinkled so that there was an atonement so that the law could not judge the believer. Amen? These were all just in type. And he said, but when it did, he said, uh, there laid the judgment in the Ark ready to come forth. But when it did, it couldn't, for there was atonement standing between it and the believer. And the believer come, accepted Christ. He said, then he had mercy and could walk away rejoicing because he was free from judgment. I'm going to read a quote right here. If I could find it fairly quickly. Brother Branham says, oh, the only thing in a different quote that will back off God is blood, as we just said. He says, but when that blood is removed, all that was foreknown has been called into the precious body. His church has been made ready and taken up. Then God's wrath will be on the people. But I'm speaking of when the God's on rapture, when the, when the body has been made ready and taken up. He says, oh brother, don't never want to stand there. Let me stand before a machine gun. Let me be cut to pieces. Let me be sawed inch by inch. Let anything happen. Let them split open my belly and burn sulfur. Everything else in me and my arms, legs cut off, whatever it be. But never let me stand at that white throne judgment before God. I read that. I said, oh God, we desire mercy. I want to know exactly the place that I can be there, that there would be blood sprinkled and an atonement made so that judgment cannot penetrate and attack me. And that's where Israel was, and God was showing where he was placing, and I could say depositing his mercy. And the Jews were given this way, this order, and this dispensation, and this, this way that I could say mercy was being managed. 
in this time period or this dispensation period. And, and the scripture says, there, the place of my mercy, I'll meet you there. But Abraham says, he says, now, he says, then it goes to show, he says, that every scallywag can't come there and take that. You have to be prepared before you come into the presence of it. There was a certain way and method that you approached the mercy seat. And God had ordained a, a, a way to meet him. And, and here then he brought these, you know, he had the high priest. And we know the day of atonement. I'm sure you hear this phrase many times. And here, this day of atonement, where the, the high priest would come in, and each once a year, the priest would prepare. He would you know, have his, his one moment of the year that he'd be able to enter into the holiest of holies. And he would prepare in so many different ways and put certain linens on and wash certain way. And he would want to make sure that everything was done just perfectly because if he didn't, he was dead. If he didn't approach it the right way, it was death to him. And so he required all the specific things and the cleansings and the washings in a right order of events so that he could then enter with, his, with, the, uh, with the, the blood as an atonement and he would be able to sprinkle it. And when all was ready, he would make his way into the secret place. And I was thinking how that high priest must have just wanted to stay there as long as he could. He was the only one allowed into the Shekinah presence of a living God. Only one. And he's representing all of Israel. And all of Israel is standing out there waiting with bated breath that their atonement would be accepted. Because he was bringing in the sacrifice on their behalf. His behalf and their behalf. And he was bringing the blood as an atonement saying and, 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 and presenting it and sprinkling it on, on the mercy seat so that there would be mercy and not judgment. And they waited. They were waiting. And I don't think they breathed too much waiting for the high priest to come back out. But what if that priest was just delaying just that little bit? Because there he was the only one able to come into the presence of God. And he'd just wait there. Maybe he'd slowly sprinkle the blood seven times. Brother Bram says for seven ages. And he would just do that slowly because he's just drinking in the presence of God. And there Israel's waiting. And he'd come out. And they'd take a breath. breath. We've been accepted. Mercy's extended to us for one more year. Glory to God. And I'm sure Israel would worship. And they'd praise God. And they'd sing glory because they had received mercy. And the high priest was, came out and he then maybe, maybe in his quietness of his little home, he, he did tell his family, oh, that was such a wonderful presence I was able to be in today. He's the only one that could experience the atmosphere of God and the peace that passes all understanding. He could be in there and he alone could feel that and experience it. And then they'd have to live through his words. What was it like to be in the presence of the Lord? Oh, I don't have words. How do I express his Shekinah glory in the smoke that filled? And he'd run out of way. He'd just lose words. He'd maybe just go into silence because there's just no words to say as Paul didn't have words to say as he would go into the scriptures, into the heavens, no words to speak. And if God didn't descend... If he didn't come, you know, they could do all their different ordinances and such through all the, and there was many of them, many sacrifices, many different things. 
But if God didn't meet him there, everything else didn't matter. That was the critical moment. In that blood was representation to cover their guilt. It was representation to cover their sin, and I say cover. It was covering their disobediences and their iniquities and their shame of all through, the, through that year's time that they had done something wrong and such, and here was atoning that blood could cover. It could cover that sin. It could cover all that. The blood also had the power, though, to appease the wrath of God. That's what that blood could do. Of the, think of it, of that goat and the bullock, they could, it could be sprinkled, and it actually appeased the wrath of God and could cover that shame. What an incredible substance, even, the blood of a bull and a goat there uh, that could do that. And if you actually look at the substance of your body, it's quite a, an amazing uh, um, liquid or substance, I could say, because there it transports through your vessel. It transports all the oxygen and the nutrients, and it feeds your body all these different things, and it moves through, giving you all the nourishment that you need. It's that wonderful transportation system that flows through. But as it's moving through, and it's picking up waste product here and waste product there, and moves through your liver and moves through your kidneys, and it starts to just peel off all the filth and the uncleanness of your body, at the same time, that blood is also flowing through, and it's sending off nutrients and sending off oxygen and collecting, sending off this and it's sending hormones and this and that and the other and it's nourishing you and expelling the waste. What a substance. It's a protector. At the same time, it's got soldiers out there as it marches through your capillaries and your vessels and it's warding off this and it's warding off that. And it's making sure this substance that's invading it and encapsulates it in a white blood cell and sends it off to get annihilated all in your blood. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, I can imagine when God was creating the, the human vessel fearfully and wonderfully made and he was making and in his thoughts he had the blood because it was going to represent so much of who he was. It was going to encapsulate his life. It was going to encapsulate the nourishing life power that was going to flow through his people. He said at the same time, that life force that's going to flow through them on a spiritual level is also going to be able to annihilate. It's also going to be able to take the waste away. It's going to be able to cleanse the sin, the darkest of sinners, the wretchedness of people. My blood will be able to wash it away. And if that ain't enough, it's going to be a protector. It even will protect them from my own wrath. Amen. Not man's wrath. Not the worst that man could do, but God's wrath. That could send someone and say, off to the everlasting hell. The blood, he said, it will be a protector. And it'll stop that. It'll stop my judgment. It'll stop them from going to an everlasting hell. What a substance. Goat's blood could cover. Sin, God's blood can remove it can justify you. God's blood could cover the shame and the guilt. God's blood removed the guilt. Therefore, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Goats could appease God for a year. One year. It had an expiration. But Christ. There's no expiration. Once and for all. When he went to Calvary, it wasn't an annual process anymore. He said, it's over. My blood has paid the price. Hallelujah. It says, but we, by that which we all, we, we, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Amen. I love the song, Once and for All. He walked the road to Calvary. Amen. Bearing my sin and my shame. 
Thank the Lord for the blood. That's why we can come to a communion table tonight as you would take the blood as a, a symbol of what he spilled for you. He said, this isn't a symbolism of some goat or some bullock, but this is the symbolism of the blood of Christ that was shed for me. No expiration, full protection, full covering and remission. And here, Israel had all of these things and for hundreds of years, they followed, ensuring year after year after year, ensuring that mercy was obtained. But something was about to change. I could say everything was about to change. The place of mercy was now going to shift. Something was going to happen. It was going to move from the blood of bulls and goats it wasn't going to be there anymore. It wasn't going to be at, at a mercy seat that stood, uh, stood as a covering over the Ark of the Covenant and the, and the word of the Lord was in there. Something was going to shift. And so here now it was going to move from blood of bulls and goats and it was going to move from a shadow and a type and come into the fullness of what that shadow was trying to portray. Amen. What a moment this was going to be. Amen, that here now, here, unfortunately, these vessels and humanity trapped in a blood system, our bodies, I should say, contained within the, within the confines of a curse. That's what humanity has been done. We were contained in this, the confines of a curse, but a new bloodline was on its way. Amen, but you know what? I feel so Israel, they had read about it. There were so many prophecies about it. They were, they were doing every ordinance of, the, of a type and a shadow. But they didn't, I, I just can't even imagine. I'm so sad that they could not foresee the shifting of the time. What a terrible thing. And here God was going to send Elijah to come out and say, Hey, behold, it's changing. It's going to shift here. If I could say the dispensation is going to shift or the way or the access or the place of my mercy is going to change. Nobody was listening. The place of my mercy. If I could put it this way, if I read the definition of dispensation and you took the words, you could say mercy was going to be under new management. If you look at the, 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 the definition of it, God's economy, it was going to be managed differently. And so they were just, you know, going along, going along. But here Elijah went forth and saying, it's going to change. There's going to come one. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. There's a shift coming, people. There's a dispensational shift. Wake up. He said, John the Baptist, what did you go out to see? We know the scripture more than our prophet. And Brother Branham says, yes. Why was he more than a prophet? He was a messenger to the covenant of the, uh, the ark that blended those two dispensations together. So at the shifting of time or where, where the, the management of mercy was coming and a change, God sent a messenger to ensure you're going to hear. I got to give you the exact order of events here. It was Moses when it was law. But Elijah now came to say, here's the one. This is where my mercy's going to be. Behold, I send my messenger before my face to point you to where the mercy seat will be. And there he was announcing his coming. And here Christ now, what a shift. I've got to blast very quickly here. 
But what a shift of time as Christ walked the road to Calvary, all of the different types and shadows. But now here came the one, as Elijah had been saying, and he's saying, listen, it's under new management now. It's not in this temple. It's not going to be in, the, in, the, in your ordinances and your days of atonement and such. It's not going to be a high priest walking through. And here came one walking the road to Calvary with a cross upon his back, bearing your sin, bearing my sorrow. Oh my, he said, here he was, no longer was it gonna be just hidden there in an ark. No longer was the word gonna be covered over and you couldn't get to it and it's being blocked by blood, but it was gonna be hung on a cross in an open shame where Christ was gonna then suddenly tear off the veil and say, here I am. Not just an expiration of mercy, but a perpetual, everlasting, eternal mercy. The Word placed himself on the cross. If I could say the new steward or the new administrator of mercy. Crying grace. Grace. The Word, it was no longer covered, no longer hidden, but not, and not a token, but the mercy seat himself. Now it says there on a cross, the very mystery of God revealed. Here he was, the mercy seat himself, Christ the mercy seat, Christ the atonement, Christ the propitiation. It was in him alone that you could draw mercy and be saved. This was a vital thing because how, how many years afterwards or of such or how many years had they been going and putting their faith in the, in the, in the law? And now... They did that, and there was no mercy there. Where, you had go, where mercy was, was in a different place. It was now in Christ. The shadow and the type had now moved to reality, but they were stuck there at the type and still trying to look for mercy, thinking they're still obtaining mercy in a tradition, and it was gone. Gone. You're looking to draw something from it, and it's not there. What's, what's terrible is that they think it's there, but it wasn't. It had changed. And here they were in the temple, and they were, as Brother Bram says, singing the Psalms and such, and the veil rents in two from top to bottom, God exposing and saying the mercy seat is now open, not just to a high priest once a year, not so that he could walk in and he'd have to tell in the experience, but so that you and I could come into his presence so that you and I cannot have, have to go off of someone else's experience. Be like, what was that like? What's it like? What, what's it like to experience a living Savior? You can experience him for yourself. The veil is torn. The mercy seat is exposed. It's in him and him alone. And you can then come at the end of a service and you can say, oh, I was in the presence of the Lord. I was expelled. Oh, it's such a wonderful atmosphere. Or maybe it's you in your little quietness of your little prayer room and you're kneeling down and you're in prayer and saying, oh God, and you bring yourself into his presence with thanksgiving and praise and he descends into that little room and you start to worship him and you start to praise him. Why? Because you found a place of mercy. It wasn't for a high priest no longer. It's for you and I. It's for everyone Whosoever will. Hallelujah. God veiled in the form of a man, but Abraham said, hid himself from their view. 
They could only see a man, but those predestinated seen God. Hallelujah. A propitiation. We hear the word, Scripture says, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. You know, I know you could, younger people, little ones, say, well, I don't know what the propitiation means. It means, propitiation actually means to appease or to make peace with. And it's a necessity. Many religions have the, you know, the need of a, of a propitiation or the appeasing of a, a, a God, I could say. Many religions have this in common. In fact, many ancient pagan religions you know, have this idea that's taught that man appeases God, offering various gifts or sacrifices. And so that it's actually in, in so many other religions, you bring your gift and your offering your ability, how wonderful the gift that you think you brought appeases God. That's many pagan religions and, 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 and maybe, well, some not so far off. But that has nothing in Scripture. There's nothing in Scripture. That word is never used in any act whereby man brings God into a favorable, favorable attitude is what the dictionary says or in gracious disposition. There's nothing in scripture that states that you or I could bring something or do something that would bring God into a favorable attitude and be like, well, that's, that's pretty good. I'll give you mercy. Well, wonderful. That's a wonderful, you, you've prayed so many times this week. I'll give you mercy. Oh, you, you've sacrificed so much. I'll give you mercy. Nothing. Zippo. Zero. You can pray as hard as you want to pray. You can give as much as you want to give. You can come to church every day of the week and pray at this altar. I don't care what you do. But nothing you do will bring you into a gracious disposition. It's all by His grace and favor. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful it isn't on my ability. Because then I'd have to stack up against all of you and be like, oh my goodness, look what Gabe just did. And I got to measure up to that? Oh, what do I got to do? And so I'm just feverishly working to beat every one of you to obtain mercy. <laughs> oh, I'm thankful. That is by his grace. That nothing you got to do. I don't care how bad you think you are. You did nothing in your abilities. It's all by his grace. You just need to believe it. I love him. Some saw change. Some saw that everything changed. Some caught it. Why? Seed. Predestinated. They saw a shifting. They said, wait a second. Everything has changed. It's no longer there in a temple. It's there on a cross. There it is, the blood that shed for me. They saw it. Brother Branham says there, he's talking about the woman at the whale. He says, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. Now we know there's coming a one. They should say there's coming a change of dispensation is what Brother Branham said. She was catching, there's a shift. There's a new manager that's coming into play here. It's no longer the high priest. It's no longer the ordinances, but it's Christ. I see it. It's a prophet. He's here. My, what a moment. Come on, you think, oh, well, you know, Brother Michael, I get it. But no, 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 no. They have been living for hundreds of years under the law. This was in their blood, if I could say it that way. It was part of their fabric. And now you're tearing this out of their fabric and saying, done. Done away with. In a moment on the cross. It's over. You mean, it means nothing anymore? Yep. 
pretty much. It was all just pointing to. And it has now pointed, and now that has come to reality, and that has manifested, and that's just, it's nothing anymore. It's dead works. Ah, uh, that took a revelation. Major. You read the scriptures. You read Peter and John and Paul and all these different ones. Paul who read through the scrolls and all of that. He knew it inside and out. And here it had to be a revelation to say it's no more there. Everything I've learned, throw it away. But it points to something else. It points to something greater. Same revelation you need to have. A life released by the blood, created by God, and a shift and change. Brother Branham said, and I'm now just going to come to a very quick close. So, just like that. A shift, a change had taken place then. Another, and Brother Branham says, he continues the quote. Here he's speaking about, he goes, since Pentecost, since the crucifixion, the veil was rent. He continues, said, Paul, uh, uh, Moses is red, yet the veil's still on their hearts. Oh, brother, sister, he said, that's the Jews. That the, the veil was rent and brought God into plain view, hanging on the cross, but they couldn't see it. He says, could it be possible that the Gentiles has did the same thing? Oh, so we're pointing back. But could there be another dispensational shift? And mercy is always in the word of God. That's where it always is. It was in the law because that was the word of God. Moses brought the word of God to the people. And that's where mercy was. Then Christ came. The living word. Word made flesh. And that's where mercy was indeed. And mercy still is in the word of God. In the revealed word of the day. Mercy. I'm just going to go off notes and come to a close if I could. But mercy's not in the church ages of past. Mercy's not in Luther's day. Mercy's not in Wesley's day. Mercy is in this day in a message revealed in this hour because a dispensational change has taken place. It's gone from that time. The Son of Man himself has come and said, here's my word. Here's my word. I am revealed and unveiled again. This is where mercy is. You better catch the shift, saints. The world wide around. Catch the change. The word is revealed. And that's where mercy is placed. You want to draw down on mercy. You don't want to draw down in ages of past. You don't want to look to Luther's message. There's no mercy in that. It's been moved. The word has been opened. And to draw down on mercy, you need to draw down from the account where it's placed. And that's in this last day's message. Unfortunately, couldn't find a quote. I thought Brother Branham said it, but I couldn't find it. Speaking about the traditions of past times. And I wonder, Brother Branham speaks about the veil still there. Who sewed it back up? I don't know. Through the ages of traditions. But God had to come in this day and age again to tear the veil off and show himself again afresh. If I could put it that way. How important... How important is it to ensure that you know you can come and obtain mercy? Like I said, this is where I had the quote. I don't want to have to go and have my arms. I wouldn't want my arms torn off and my belly and all this sort of thunder. I don't want to stand before judgment. Oh God, I want to stand before mercy. 
I want to stand and find the place where you can commune with me. Because in that place where there's mercy, then it's fellowship, as you heard this morning. Because it's a blood covering that covers and removes and remits and cleanses you from all sin. And that's why, if I can say, that's why we can come to communion. And we can rejoice. Because many people come to communion. Musicians, you can come. But I wonder, as the scripture says, there and there, I'll meet with thee and I'll commune with thee. And how many people are desiring to meet? Like however many that would come to the temple, desiring, thinking, but mercy's not there. Mercy had moved. And I'm so thankful tonight. I don't think we, could, we should be able we walk out these doors tonight after a time of communion and say, Lord, I am so grateful that you've opened mine eyes to see the shift and the change and open my eyes so that I can see this message of this hour so that I see you and I can, I can come and meet you there at the place where mercy is in, is in place. An open word, unveiled before us. Not wondering, not questioning, knowing. Amen. Knowing he's there. And I would say this. Scripture says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, who erring in times past walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind and of the mind, and where or were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God. <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful scripture. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Would God extend his mercy and then it be limited? Never. He's rich in mercy. Does the blood, would the, I just said, Lord, we're coming at communion, remembering, we're not remembering, if I could say past abilities. But we're here communing on what the blood can, does today. Power to heal. Does that blood still have power to heal? Who's been healed? Yeah. That means the blood still never loses its power. It's still rich in mercy. Does the blood deliver? Does the blood deliver? It's still active today. It's not a limited blood. It didn't end there uh, 33 years or, or ended at 300 years after the cross. It's like, well, you know, the Old Testament, it was a year and I got 300. And so there it ends, it's expiration. No, sir, it's an unlimited in its power. It's rich in its mercy. 
amen, to save and to keep. But our Bradham then comes to the end of the service of God rich in mercy. God who's rich in mercy says, I was watching. There's a little woman sitting out there here at the end of the seat. Do you have a prayer card? There, lady, you don't. Let me show you God is rich in mercy. You've been real nervous here lately, haven't you? Real bad. And your eyes has gotten worse. Isn't that right? That's right. Now they're going to change. Oh, I could say to her, if I could just lean over to her and say, everything's about to change. Why? Because a God is rich in mercy is on the scene. Because the blood that's spilled for you on Calvary still has power to heal, still has power to deliver. Oh, she says, now, he said, they're going to change. God rich in his mercy by asking you if you would believe this. Who has a need tonight? You say, oh, God, are you still rich in mercy? Asking you, are you going to believe it? He says, now you have no prayer card. Neither do any of you. You don't have no prayer card. You're sitting in an audience. We don't have a prayer line. But he says, you have nothing, but you don't need it. You don't need a prayer card. You just need to believe that there's a God who's rich in mercy, ready to heal, ready to save, ready to deliver. He said in the next quote there sits a little lady, a little bitty fellow, sorry, sitting right there in front, kind of sitting right here. He's suffering from a growth on his body. It just recently come on there recently. Isn't that right, sir? That's right. You don't know what it is. You're scared of it. That's right. It was caused from a bruise, wasn't it? Have you a prayer card? You don't have no prayer card. You don't need one. God rich in mercy. You have a need tonight? Would you need to say anything more? We're coming to a table of communion to remember a broken body, a blood that was spilled for you. I want to tell you tonight, my God, but this God, but God, who is rich in mercy is fully able. If you would just believe in the sacrifice of Calvary that still is alive today, the blood still speaks today of better things than that of Abel. If you would believe, it's yours. That's as simple as it needs to be. Our God who is rich and able, you don't need a prayer card. Amen. Why don't we, I wanted to sing a time t- tonight, a little song. I want to come to a place of communion. I want to, come, I want to be like that high priest that would walk into that, the presence. I want to come to the table. And I want to come to the place of mercy. I want to, I, I, I just in my broken up way, just try to just fellowship on the fact that the place that there's mercy, the place where mercy is, where we can commune, commune is in the blood of this bleeding word of today. And we are not in some, some off space, some idea. But I want to tell you in confidence, you are here in the place where his mercy is, not in a physical building, but on the word of God revealed in this day. If you could just step in to the presence of God tonight and know, Lord, I'm so thankful I'm not walking into a temple where the mercy isn't there anymore, but I'm able to walk into the revealed word of God and that the, the glory of your presence could come around me. Tonight at this communion table, as I commemorate, as I remember the broken body, may your presence come around me. There, the place of your mercy, and I could commune with you. I pray that that would just be our prayer tonight. I'm just going to, I want to, some of you might know this little song. You can bring up the words. This could maybe just be our, our prayer as we come into communion. A little song called Stay. And it's more, instead of a song, it's more of a prayer. So I want you just to enter into the, into the atmosphere, the service. And say, Lord, this is where I want to be. In your presence. So maybe we'll just sing this. 
If you want to stand, you can. If you know it, sing it with me, please.
That's where we want to be, in your presence, Lord. How so many would have, the congregation of Israel desired to be in the place of that high priest. Lord, you tore the veil at Calvary's hill so that each one of us, Lord, could sing this song tonight. Just stay a little while longer. Lord, I need healing. Would you stay a little while longer? I have a great burden of my heart. Would you stay a little while longer? And our heart's burning just to be in your presence just a little bit more. So, Lord, we come to this communion table. song on our lips please stay that time Lord could fade from our memory and our consciousness in this next part of the service Lord we would just be swept into your presence and Lord it be a communion with you not some ordinance we do, but Lord, it's because we are communing with living God. Pray, Lord, you take the next portion of service we dedicated to you now. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So I'll say stay. Lord with the, the blood bought and purchased of God we've heard your word this evening your presence is here 
Father, tonight as we partake from this communion table, bread that was broken, the broken body of Jesus Christ was broken so that we could have the life that was contained within the body. as Michael was closing, Lord. We indeed want more. More of your life. More of your love. More of your grace. May this be a special time for your children, Lord. We look into the word and the words that Paul wrote, Lord. May it become so personal to each individual that it's just not something we have done over these years. But we can indeed have fellowship, communion, the God of grace, love, and mercy. Would you bless your children now as we turn to this next part of this service, Lord? So I'll ask you to stay. says here in 1 Corinthians 11 and Paul writing regarding the communion for those that may be visiting and witnessing as part the communion table the foot washing as Brother Brenham so often had said throughout his message he said there's three ordinances left for us water baptism communion table and foot washing and brother Bram said in this he says in the message communion he said we have an open communion for all for we believe that every believer has a right to the table of the Lord and to fellowship around the good things of God with every believer regardless of creed color whatever he may be we have an open So I'll ask you to have your seats, please. The brothers will break bread. We'll break the bread. Have a word of prayer. And then 
if you would just hold that while everybody receives the bread and we'll take the bread together. The Bible reads thus in verse 23 of chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, that same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take heed, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body for this cause many are weak sickly among you and many sleep For if we would judge ourselves, we shall not be judged. When we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, one for another. Brother Bram said at one place, he said, that tearing is then if you need to make something right. Why don't you just slip out of your seat and go make that right? Maybe we just need to make it right before God, before we enter the God's mercy to us, saints. Amen. Sam, would you mind praying over the bread? and how they lost fellowship with you, Lord. 
Lord, I thank you for the service tonight. You're speaking your word to us. You brought it back to us, Lord. Yes, Lord. Sweet fellowship. Lord, we don't want to leave. Yes, Lord. We want to constrain you to stay, Lord. Lord, Brother Branham said, every time you come, something good. Yes, Lord. So, Lord, yes, oh God, would you restore, Lord, the hearts of your people? Maybe their the body's broken, Lord. Lord, you said you were wounded for our transgressions and by your stripes we are healed. So tonight, Lord, we claim that promise. We do, Lord. Lord, you also came to bring restoration to our homes, Lord, to our families, to our loved ones, Lord. Thank you for Calvary, Lord, that you would restore us back to an Eden, Lord, where we're wanting to, we're looking so forward, Lord, to crossing over. So, Lord, we'll we'll do these these ordinances, Lord. We remember the sacrifice that you paid to bring us back, Lord, to that a perfect place, Lord, of eternity. So we want to thank you from, from our hearts for giving us a way back across that chasm, Lord. May we just ponder on that as we break the bread tonight, Lord. We just want to say we love you. And we love each one that's here tonight, Lord. But we can spend this time together. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you as you receive the bread. Just hold that until we all take it together. Brothers, go ahead and break the bread. Is anyone worthy?
worthy. Church of Revival, all you can say he is. Is the Lamb of God worthy? Yes, he is. He's holy and worthy tonight. He is. I just want to speak the name of Jesus.
thanks, he broke it. And he said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This new in remembrance of me. said this, he said, do you know in communion there's divine healing? Hallelujah. So if you need a healing in your body, we're having communion. Healing in your spirit. Oh God, heal this church. Israelites took the communion marched 40 years there wasn't a feeble one amongst them if they could do that in the shadow how about the blood when it came into a new administration you got in need of a healing tonight you claim it you claim it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ God you can do it for the Israelites you can do it for the bride of Jesus Christ around this communion table. Hallelujah. Then after the same manner also, he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye, as oft as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Amen. Brother Jeff, would you pray, please, over the cup? Let's bow our heads. Precious Father, happy yet trembling, oh God, we stand in thy courts tonight, Father. With these emblems before us, Lord Jesus, just thinking of when you instituted the blood, oh God, at the Exodus where they had to place it on the doorpost so that the death angel would pass, oh God. 
Then down to the cross it dripped onto the ground where you, And we were laying, O oh Father To even here tonight, O oh God, we apply it to our hearts, O oh Lord Jesus And as we've heard of thy great mercy Has come all the way down to this age, O oh Father And we can partake of it and accept it, Lord And walk away free knowing that all of our sins Past, present and future have been covered and been taken care of, O oh Father, because of that shed blood of Calvary that we can believe in. Father, it's believing, O oh God. Unbelief caused everything of chaos of this world. Believing, O oh Father, is what, will, what it takes, Father, to be accepted in the Beloved. We love you tonight, and we're thankful, Father, as servants. We can stand here, O oh Lord yes, Jesus. Lord. Yes, Lord. And that's the precious brothers and sisters partake of this emblem this wine father may they think and consider that great cost oh father that it took that great sacrifice of calvary oh father to set us free lord we're happy and rejoicing in it tonight oh god and may it thrill every heart oh lord as we rejoice as we partake of it together now in the name of Jesus Hallelujah. Christ, may you bless it for its intended purpose. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brothers, then, if you'll pass the wine to the saints and you can take it at your liberty when it comes by your way. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood.
nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my
reads here in St. John 13 we'll be going to foot washing the brothers will go straight to the fellowship room I believe we're using the Sunday school rooms now for the sisters I believe that gives more space deacons wives if you'll direct the sisters to where to be have their foot washing in St. John chapter 13 the Bible says this the supper being ended the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, 
Simon's son to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and went to God. He's risen from the supper, laid aside his garments, he took the towel that girded him himself and that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then came Simon, then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wish if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Powerful scripture. Powerful. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and taken his garment and was set down again. He said unto them, Know you, know you what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I thee then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you shall also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we wanted this communion to be something personal. As we heard this morning, fellowship, communion, Lord. That's what we desire with all that's in us. Lord, not to be caught in a day past as Brother Michael spoke tonight, but in the present. To walk with you, to commune with you, and to love you. So after the supper being ended, Lord, you got up and you washed the disciples' feet. Thus we will, brothers to brothers, sisters to sisters. You left us an example that is true. But Lord, when we take those feet, Lord, may we realize it's Christ walking in those feet. Would you be with the brothers, Lord? May it be a special time for them to be with the sisters. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
And so after you're finished washing one another's feet, we'll just come back in the house sanctuary, the house of the Lord here, and we'll close in a word of prayer. So God be with you, give you a blessed time.
the son and daughters say, glorious time. I want to thank these dear brethren that we have here. I want to thank them for their lives, for the sensitivity of the spirit, for the word that they deliver. I thank God for their lives. Amen. John, God bless you. Amen. We are just so thankful for this great body of, that we have here. To say I love you is an understatement. Brother Michael, you don't know what that meant to me, for me tonight. And Brother Tim came walking in afterwards because I couldn't kneel. I went for an operation on Thursday. And God was gracious and I'm here standing and so I know different ones have text. How are you doing? We're praying for you. All is well. I'm here. And for that, I'm grateful, eternally grateful to the Lord. It was just a pre-maintenance checkup, you know, uh, preventative maintenance so that we can go a few more miles down the road together. And uh, I just want to thank you for your prayers. It's been a few years, but we've got a promise of a body change. Amen. Brother Michael's going to be away for a little bit overseas. I've enjoyed his ministry to the fullest. I'm sure they will in Africa. But we've got to have him sing before he goes. Don't you agree? Like Brother Tim and I agree on, on, a, on this part. He says, we, we, we hate it when these gifts are given out. We only maybe got one each. Murphy even sang in Dallas. How would you you like to hear Brother Michael sing either Mercy Road in or Jesus Dropped the Charges? Let's rejoice. Mike, whatever you feel on your heart. You can have your seats. sing Jesus Drop the Charges, then it's really just congregational, and that'd be wonderful. <laughs> if I sang Mercy Walked In, then it's a solo, and that wouldn't be wonderful. <laughs> so you want to sing a congregational with me? Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Anybody that said no, I'll talk to you after. <laughs> yep, because that's easier. <laughs> Amen? Were we guilty? Yes, we were. Were we doomed? Yes, we were. But Jesus, with his special love, save me and you by his grace. Amen, Brother Jordan? It's definitely not a sitting song because the scripture says, happy are you. Amen? That's why after foot washing, you just say, why on earth am I so happy? Because it's scripture. And scripture will never lie. It'll always be true. So you can come out of prayer, out of foot washing, out of communion, and say, oh my goodness, my cup is running over and it's full. Say amen. So you're going to sing it with me, amen? Because I got not much going on down there. Here we go. Well, I was guilty. Doomed in the 
richly bless you. Brother Kyle, lovely to have you in the family. Sarah's growing up to be a lovely young lady. My goodness, taller than her mother. Simeon, look out. We're happy for the families that are serving Christ. Amen. Been given a promise, and we're going to claim that promise. Jonas, your testimony, I, I, I love that. You sent me that little bit of testimony on the brother's prayer list. Would you mind coming closing in order of prayer? Here's a living testimony of what God can do. Cancer is nothing to fear. Amen. Amen. That was wonderful. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful, Lord, for your presence, Lord. It would all be in vain if you wouldn't come, Father, and vindicate your word, Lord Jesus, as you do so often, Lord Jesus, through the lives of our brothers, but also through the life of us, Lord, who live our daily life with you, Father. Father, we are so grateful, Lord, for this heavenly fellowship, Lord, and we're so looking forward for a time, Father, where this will never end, Lord Jesus. Father, for the time where we'll be raptured, Lord, we'll be at a marriage supper, Lord, and be with you forever, Lord. How our hearts yearn to be with you, Lord Jesus, Father. May you come quickly, Lord, is our prayer, Lord. And if there's anything, Father, that we can do, Father, to bring the last one in, Father, lay it on our hearts, Lord Jesus. Lord, whatever it may take, Father, may we do it, Father. May we be obedient to your word, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father, be with us now as we dismiss, Lord Jesus. Be with each and every one. Keep us safe, Father, as we go into a new week, Lord. As we go into a workplace, into a school, Lord, whatever it may be, Father, may we live for you, Lord Jesus. Nothing is more important, Father, than to live for you, Lord. This life will soon be over. But, Father, there is one to come, Lord, that we're looking so forward to, Father. It's worth it all, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, Father, for the wonderful time we can have in your presence, Lord. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, we'll bring back an old one. And the trumpet shall sound. And the trumpet shall sound. And the dead shall rise. And our Lord will be waiting in the sky. from today. So if you're missing that, two weeks from today and whatever that date is.
17. <laughs> Brother Tim is, Brother Dodd is going to give us a full missions report over this past year. It's not going to be part, it's going to be a whole, and it'll be a special day because that's what our, the vision of our pastor has been. And we look forward to it, Brother Tim. I know, remember the last one you, you did on a full one, and it was just like we were in heavenly places. So remember that day, put it down, and do not be absent. <laughs> God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.